Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Lord, we are in your hands. Touch us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As we all know, we are still on the topic of discipleship. First of all, let me ask, how many of us here believe we are disciples of Jesus? You believe you are a disciple of Jesus. If you don't believe or you don't know, you can put your hand down. Nobody will have any quarrel with you. If you know you believe you are a disciple of Jesus, please put your hand up. Thank you very much. The reality of the matter is that any person who calls himself or herself a Christian is expected to be a disciple of Jesus. There are some who argue that the Great Commission, for example, was a command given to the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples at that time. But if you read through the Great Commission again, as is written in Matthew 28, from verse 18 to 20, Jesus told the people there, we were not there, but he told them that they should go and make disciples of all nations. And as part of making disciples, he said they should teach the disciples they will make to observe the things that he, Jesus, has taught those who were there in his presence. You and I were not there. But he told those who were there that when they go and make disciples, they should teach those disciples to observe the things he, Jesus, has taught them. In other words, if Brother Obed was there, sorry, Pastor Obed was there, and I gave him instructions, or he's the one I'm giving the instructions. If he goes to disciple my brother here, he is going to transfer to him everything I have taught him, including instructing him to also make disciples. Please, are we getting it? So at the end of the day, we all end up becoming disciples of Jesus. Because the discipled person comes to disciple you, and teaches you to also disciple. And teaches you to also disciple. So at the end of the day, we all become followers of Jesus. We all are expected to walk in the commands, the teachings, the instructions of Jesus. Hallelujah. And one verse I came across in the Bible which got me very interested in this was John 12:26. I want someone to read that for us quickly. John 12:26. John 12:26. Yes. Whoever serves me must Whoever follow me. Whoever serves me mm-hmm. must follow me. Must. Please, do you see it as an option? If you claim you serve Jesus, you must follow him. So it's easy to ask how many of us are serving Christ. A lot of us will raise our hands. But how many of us are really following Christ? I, I'm not saying you have just believed. 
you are following Christ actively. When it gets there, the situation changes. I first want to convince you that anyone who claims to believe in Jesus, anyone who claims to be a Christian, ought to be a follower of Christ. Ought to be a disciple of Christ. And this morning, I just want to share some experiences, personal experiences and certain observations that I have had concerning discipleship. Some of these experiences, let me say most of them, have their basis from the scripture. Let me even say all of them. Hallelujah. But you see, when you are talking about this issue of discipleship, because you yourself, the preacher, you've not gotten there. You are still in the process. You are careful with how you handle it. But I just want to tell you certain things I've observed about discipleship. I have experienced about discipleship. I mean, following Jesus, which I think, and the Bible supports me, that every Christian should take note of when it comes to discipleship. Are we okay? The first experience I've had, and this one hit me so hard, is the fact that when you are following Jesus, your whole perceptions, attitude, convictions, they are all immersed. Your whole personality, you are fully absorbed. It's like you, you, you no longer have your own will or your own self. It's a hard truth, but that's the truth. You see, for many Christians, we would wish that we'll be called Christians, but we'll still be able to live the old pattern of life that we have and combine both. But it doesn't work that way. At least I have experienced that. You, there are certain dresses you can't wear them again. There are certain songs you can't listen to them again. There are certain conversations you cannot be part of again. And it's all because of the decision you have made to follow Jesus. So I like the way First Peter chapter 4 verse 2 puts it. After saying in verse 1 that those who have died to the flesh, who have partaken in the death of Christ and have therefore died to the flesh and have died to sin, he says such people, they do not leave the rest of their time on earth to the last of this flesh, but to the will of God. Maybe we should read it for emphasis sake. First Peter chapter 4, verse 2. First Peter 4, verse 2. Yes. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives. They do not live... I want you to take note of rest. It means it is, it is forever. Rest. It means you don't... I, I, I mean, have a time period for yourself. You say that for this period ahead of me, I'm going to be like this. Then after that, I'll change more. He says for the rest of their lives, they live to the will of God. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15, he says that the love of Christ constrains us. And in verse 15, he tells us that if one died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them. I came across 1 Peter 2, verse 15 and 16. Which also says that the will of God is that by doing good, we will silence the talk of foolish people. And in verse 16, 
He says that whilst we are doing this, we are doing this as free. Free means that we have been set free from something. We have been set free from sin. As we all know, Galatians 5.1 says we should stand fast therefore in the freedom by which Christ has set us free. So he says as free. He acknowledges that yes, you are free now. You have a free life. But he continues to say that don't use that freedom, that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but rather use it to serve God or as a servant. The Greek word is doulos. If we, have, if we had time, another day we would have really looked at this critically. But if you are a doulos, you are a bond servant, a bond slave. It's like you do not have a wish. You do not have a will. Everything of you is sold out to your master. So you see, we are in freedom as Christians. But our kind of freedom is another form of slavery. Romans 6.18 He says that we have been set free from sin. True. That's your status. But now, in your freedom, you are also a slave to righteousness. It's something we must all get. You are free. But still, you are not of your own. That's why 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 reminds us that we have been bought. 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 We have been bought at a price. We have been bought. So it affects everything of yours, your perceptions, your opinion. You see, one of my sisters is a nurse. And normally when she comes home, she packs her footwear at the door before entering. And when everyone is coming, she starts spying. In fact, the moment you enter the room, the first thing, she doesn't even look at your face. No matter the, the number of years it has taken for her to see you, the first thing she looks at is your feet, whether you left your footwear at the gate. And you don't understand. It's because of the kind of ethics she's used to from her workplace. So always, especially when we're in the COVID times, you see, when she's coming, right at the gate, she'll undress. <laughs> Not going naked completely, but she'll undress from her scraps and everything before she enters. So this thing became, it, it, it even became a quarrel in the house. Because sometimes you forget, you don't have that consciousness. So you are entering, you enter with your shoe. Even sometimes, it's been a while since you saw me, I'm coming from a journey. At least welcome me first. I enter the house and the first thing, she, hey, hey, your shoe, your shoe. What kind of welcome is that? You see, and she doesn't just do it in the house. Wherever she goes, sometimes people's homes, people are entering and she's looking. It's not your place, but you still want the thing to be done there. Why? It's because of the kind of perception she's carrying about because of the work she's doing. It has influenced everything about her. It has absorbed her. One time I was traveling from Accra to Kumasi in a VIP bus. And when we got to the rest stop, everyone had come back to sit in the bus, except the driver. We all wait, we all wait, we all wait. Where's the driver? Where's the driver? The maid said, he's going to pray. He's a Muslim. Like, wow. On a journey, you are working, and you, you still want to make time and go and pray. Christians, are we disciples of Jesus? Are we sold out completely to Jesus? Or we want to have one leg here and the other there? 
That is one of it. The second experience I want to share is that when you decide to follow Jesus, it means you have decided to imitate him. That's Jesus' requirement of discipleship. Because we, we have this popular kind of leadership and followership, if I should use that word, where the leader tells the followers, do what I say, but not necessarily what I do. So you can have a lecturer in your class. The person has a lot of knowledge, can be teaching you even religion. But the person is a chain smoker. person is a drunkard and all that. But he's telling you, just learn what I see. Don't necessarily look at what I'm doing. That's the normal kind we have. So even parents with their children at home, they will tell the children that you should be asleep by 8 p.m. If you don't do it, I will beat you. You shouldn't watch these movies. They are not good for you. But at 12 a.m., you go and meet father, mother, sitting there watching these movies with these explicit scenes which he's telling the child. The child will come and hide there and watch. Or one day you tell, what, what, what is it on the TV that mama or daddy doesn't want me to see? One day I want to see. There's an auntie of mine. Whenever we go out and we are drinking, you say, yeah, serve them with Coke and Fanta. Then they will get club and Guinness. And I, I asked her one day, that, uh, but why don't we get some of this one? Hey, it's not for you. <laughs> I'm inquisitive. One day I would want to know. But that is not Jesus' style. Jesus is saying that, watch me. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. After he says, all who are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Take upon yourself my yoke. He says, and learn from me. For I am lowly and meek in heart. Learn from me. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. John 13, from verse 13 to 15. Telling them that, yes, you call me teacher and Lord. It's true, I am. I am your teacher and Lord. If I have done this, you too ought to do the same. I'm giving you an example to follow. It's like, wow. Not the kind of... I mean, method the Pharisees will use. Matthew 23, 1 to 3. Jesus warned them that the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. When they talk, they are not lying. It's true. But do not learn their ways. Because that's how they understand leadership and followership. But Jesus says, look at me. Do as I do. Not only as I say. So as a disciple of Jesus, you must understand that it has everything, you following Jesus, has everything to do with imitating him. It's not a choice. Because today everyone is kind of carving out their own comfort area or comfort zone for themselves as Christians. This person is saying that this is how me, I demonstrate love. This is how me, I forgive. She has done it one, two, three. Next time, me, I won't, I won't forgive again. My forgiveness has gotten to a limit. This is how I do this. This is how I do that. This is how I demonstrate this. This is how I do that. This dressing, what is wrong with it? That is how I suppose. This is, you see? But if we are all to have this understanding that following Jesus has everything to do with imitating Him, 
such confusions would drastically reduce. Hallelujah. It would drastically reduce. So I even looked at the lives of the apostles. I said, okay, Jesus said this, one, two, and three. Let me look at the apostles too. And I saw that, yes, Jesus succeeded in getting them to imitate him. So Acts 4.13, Jesus was not there in the flesh with them. But the Sahindrin looked at them and it says they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. How did they take knowledge they had been with Jesus? Because they were doing something they, they, they have heard or seen Jesus do. Acts 11.26, Paul and Barnabas, they were with the church in Antioch for a whole year. And the result of it was that the disciples were called Christians. I look at Paul, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I say, wow, it's working here. I look at Peter, 1 Peter 2.21. To this you have been called. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. I said, hey, it's working here too. I look at John, 1 John 2.6. Anyone who claims to be in Christ, the person ought to walk the way Christ walked. I say, hey, it's working here too. And what is even more confounding is when you look at Paul, at the time he was writing the epistle to the Philippians, he was in his old age. But yet still, he says, I do not count myself to have already attained. But one thing I do is to leave what is behind and reach out to what is ahead. I press towards the upward calling of God in Christ. Say, wow, even at old age, imitating Christ is still his focus, is still his vision. Brothers and sisters, it is not an option as a follower of Jesus to decide whether you you want to imitate him. It is the way. It is the requirement to imitate him. Hallelujah. The third point I want to talk about, which is also an experience, is the fact that following Christ brings fruitfulness. You see, the reason why certain Christians are not bearing fruit in, in, in aspects of their lives is because we are not actively following Jesus. We are believers by name. We are Christians by name. But we are not following Jesus. Because if one of the first statements Jesus would make, would say to Peter, is that follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Something that has to do with reproduction or fruitfulness. And you look at your life and you are not bearing fruit. You are not bearing fruit in character. You are not bearing fruit in gifts. You are not bearing fruit in disciples or winning of souls. Ask yourself, which Jesus am I following? Am I even following Jesus? Am I following him? In John 15 verse 4, he makes it clear that just as the branch cannot bear fruit on its own, except it's grafted on the plant, so can we also not bear fruit without him. John read 15, it for us. Yes. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Yes. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. When you start following Jesus, I had been a Christian for several years before I actually decided to be a disciple of Jesus. 
And at the time, I was not a disciple of Jesus. I was not bearing fruit. At least in character, I was not bearing fruit. Still the same. You see, we should see some transformation when it comes to character. That's why we say you are bearing fruit in character. I shared my testimony the other day. And I was telling you of how my sister really doubted me. And wanted to really, I mean, disprove me as a good son in the sight of my mother. And could you believe that even after I had become born again, and I had seriously decided to follow Christ, she still doubted. Just like the people on the island of Malta. When they saw Paul, they said, this guy, he's paying for his sins. Look at what is happening to him. So there were times you wake up early in the morning and I'm reading my Bible. Say, hey, hey, what, why? You are reading your Bible at this time. And I'll just smile. At that time, something wants to come out of my mouth, but I don't want to say it. You see, we go on vacation from school. Then immediately I get to the house. I pack my bags again. Say, ah, where are you going? Say, we are going for missions somewhere, evangelism. Then she look at me in some way. Hey, when did you start? To the extent that she even try to inquire where, which place, because she doubts me. She wants to know where, when. You see, I tell her, oh, I'm going to Ayimensa. Ayimensa. But Ayimensa, is there any building or something? Isn't that place only bush? I asked her, have you been to Ayimensa before? He says, I've not been there, but that road. I said, there's a retreat center. So I said, eh, who is the, who is the founder? What, what are they about? Eh? She wants to quiz me because she still doesn't want to believe that <laughs> this guy has changed. It took her a long time to see because she was seeing the transformation in me. There's a friend of mine back at church. When I also got to church and he saw how I could speak and recite Bible verses and all that, he was like, ah, you have seen your secrets. The Bible, we cannot memorize verses. So he too attempted. He tried. And when we go for programs and he's given the platform to speak, he'll be fumbling with the verses. I told him, my brother, <laughs> it's not easy like that too. <laughs> I told him that a certain man I know who really coughs Bible verses said that the reason why he memorizes Bible verses is because he wants to obey them. And when I told him, he was looking at me. Do you want to obey the verses you are memorizing? Then they will stick. And he was looking at me. And he gave up. From time, he just gave up because he saw that what I'm doing is, 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 is something holistic. It's not like I'm, I am like this today and tomorrow I'm like that. And he, he just left me. <laughs> See, transformation in character, fruitfulness. What about gifts? The use of gifts, your talents, abilities. What about that? You also begin to shine, to bear fruit in that. You see, growing up, during the time I was a child, I, I wasn't this kind of, even up to secondary school, I wasn't this kind of leadership type, or leader, sorry, leader type of person who will go and vie for position. Someone is, you see, they are passionate about it. I'm going to stand for house prefect, class rep. You see, I ran away from the, the, the least of them. The, the, I think the highest position I was ever given 
was bellboy. <laughs> Stroke compound overseer. And, and that, was, that was because I was the one who was coming first all the time. Back in primary five. I used to be the one who comes first. So because of that, the madam said that you will be the bellboy because you come early. And also comp- compound overseer. But I could see the flaws. Because <laughs> it wasn't really part of me. It, it, it was an area I was not really excelling in. But now when I began to take Christ serious, to follow him, to imitate him. You see, you don't speak. You are there when people see the grace of God upon your life. Then they, they, they just want to involve you. So back at the university, it started. I was made one of the whole reps. Then in my final year, they said I should take charge of the men. I said, eh, men's wing president. The way I was able to manage that is only God who knows. But from that time, it has been from one position to the other, one to the other, always been entrusted with responsibilities. You see, the people who seem to be busy all the time, who are burdened with responsibilities, it's normally so because they are the ones who have proved to be trustworthy and faithful. So you are faithful with least, more will be given to you. And it's as a result of you following Jesus. Because when I look at Christ's likeness, being like Christ, I see that every disciple of Christ is a leader, one way or the other. You become a leader. Look at the twelve apostles. All of a sudden, from fishermen, someone became the head of a church, handling over 3,000 members. Where did he get the leadership skill from? Where did he get it from? By following Jesus. By following Jesus. Get ready to be a leader if you diligently follow in the steps of Christ. And the last aspect of it is fruitfulness in making disciples. Fruitfulness in making disciples. Up to now, certain disciples I have, the way they came to me, I, I, I still don't remember how. Because some of them just look at you, some of them just listen to you, and when they come, they are like, Brother, I want you to teach me more about this. Some people, I just shared quiet time with them and they were like, they, they want to learn more. Certain people, there was even one guy, he came to me and asked me that, ah, I've seen that all the, the guys, when they baba, they do different styles and all that, but you always, it is downcast and everywhere is the same. Why, why is it like that? I said, ah, but is this one too a question? <laughs> and, and from that day, the guy started following me closely. I had not called him or anything. Please, I'm not saying if you have not babbled the way I'm babbling you. <laughs> you are going wayward. But it is, it is part of it. You see, your, your light shines. And men see. They give glory to God. Because you are diligently following Christ. Hallelujah. Then, the final one I would like to give is that, and this is one that many people may not be pleased with, but that's the reality as well. Following Christ comes at a cost. Or comes with costs. Naturally, 
human beings, we don't like to be troubled. We don't like suffering. We don't like difficulties naturally. So even from the Israelites, you can see it. The least thing, then they are memory. They forget everything. Then God comes in. And they, then they start praising God again. Naturally, we don't like that. But it is a requirement as well. If you are diligently following Christ, there are certain friends you lose. There are certain things you lose. You should be ready. There are certain, like I mentioned from the beginning, certain habits, certain things you like, you would, you would have to, you, you don't need to place that premium you used to place on them again. It's a cost. That's what we call self-denial. You are saying no to yourself for the sake of Christ. If you are not willing to do that, you realize that your following Jesus becomes very difficult. You make it difficult for yourself. So Jesus says that, carry, take upon yourself my yoke, for my burden is light. Whenever I, I read that, I say, hey, which burden was Jesus talking about that he says is light like that? Because this burden we are carrying, it looks like it's heavy. But I realize that a lot of the times, it becomes heavy for us because of the things we don't want to leave. The baggage. We want to carry it with Jesus' burden, Jesus' yoke we have taken. It becomes extra. Your boat will capsize. You see, it will sink. You want to bring it on board with, with what you have. You, you, you must learn to let go of certain things. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. So we know of that rich young man who came to Jesus and said that, I have obeyed all the commandments from my youth. What is left? Jesus says, go and sell everything. Don't come and sow into my ministry. Go and give to the poor. Come. Maybe if he had even said, come and sow into my ministry, the man would be more convinced why he should go and sell. He said, go and give to the poor and come. The man says, no. And left. Peter, Mark chapter 10, from verse 27 to 29, he says, we have left all to follow you. At least, it is Peter that we know was married. If it had come from any of the other apostles, maybe he would have said, now you, what do you have that you have left? Peter had a wife. He says, we have left all to follow you. What is left in store for us? What is there for us? Because following him demands that. When I read Philippians 3, anytime I read Philippians 3, from verse 4 to verse 7, I'm like, wow. The things Paul says about himself, and at the end of the day, he concludes that he counts all those things but loss. said, hey, some of these, those things in our days, they could qualify to be certificates, so big certificates, like professor or doctor in something. You see, certain things he mentioned, those times, if you were in such a position, you were, you were highly esteemed. Because I was wondering why he should bring in the fact that he's of the stock of Benjamin, of the household of Israel. Like, what does it really mean? He was writing to the Philippians anyway. But because he knows that it was something that was highly esteemed in every place, if you are mentioned among the one of the tribes of Israel. So he's telling them, it's like today, someone saying that I am also a descendant of Otunfo. You, you look at the person twice, but he says, I count everything but loss for the sake of Christ. 
clearly showing self-denial. And I like Mark 8.34. Luke 9.23 is Luke's rendition of Mark 8.34. But Luke says that Jesus told his disciples that if any man desires to come after me, he has to carry his cross and deny himself. But Mark 8.34 said, he called all the, he said to all the people, including his disciples. So I was like, ah, okay. Then this thing, Jesus was not separating it. He was not uh, uh, separating some people to go through that too. That it's only his disciples who should learn self-denial and cross-bearing. So that he would say to the masses, that, oh, you have blessings. Yes, prosperity will follow you. When you follow me, you will never have difficulties. He said, he said to all the people, including his disciples, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and carry his cross. Let him deny himself and carry his cross. You see, when it comes to trials, tribulations, in fact, Second Timothy 3 verse 12, calls it a requirement that anyone who desires to live a godly life must do what? Suffer persecution. We normally read Romans 8.16 and we leave 17. When we, when we are pronouncing the 16, I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am a royal. I have an inheritance. But verse 17, there is a conditional clause there. If together we suffer with him, that we may be glorified. said, wow. You suffer before you attain glory. James and John came. When you sit in your glory, we want to one at your left, the other at your right. I, 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 I was amazed at Jesus' answer. They are talking about glory. You two are talking about suffering. So he's telling you the pathway to that glory is going through the mill. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. It cannot bear fruit. It cannot sprout. It has to die before. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to be glorious, you first have to die to yourself. Self-denial. Cross-bearing. There are many friends, the way I, 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 like, I am with them today, it's not like before. And sometimes, honestly, to tell you the truth, honestly, I'm saying it to brethren in Christ. You sometimes wish there is a way you can still, like, vibe with them. But it's not coming. Because you see that, no, where they are, the path they are taking, you, it, it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. So there are certain WhatsApp pages. You see, they were close friends when you were in secondary school or university, but now you can't even utter a word on those platforms or something. And it's like you are the only one. Because every conversation they have is Antichrist. <laughs> if it doesn't start Antichrist, it will end in Antichrist. So you, 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 are, you are quiet. And people would then tag you as an extremist. But it's because of who you've decided to follow. And the painful thing is, some of these friends call themselves Christians. That is why I'm here preaching this sermon today. If we all are to 
abide by this. If we all at work in this, it will not just bring glory to God. It will even make things simple for us to even fellowship together as a body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Let's, let's do more. Let's do more. We have not just been called to believe, but also to follow. If any man will save me, he must follow me. Keep that in mind. If any man wants to save me, he must follow me. If any man wants to save me, he must follow me. Let's bow down our heads. I want you to say something to God. Having heard this today, just tell him. Tell him. Lord, I am truly laying my burden at your feet to, to take upon myself your yoke. I am truly laying my yoke before you to take upon myself your yoke. I know it's not easy. You never promised that the journey will be easy. But Lord, I am determined. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Let your life wrap on my life. Let my will be sold unto you. Let me see fruitfulness, Lord. In this character of mine, in the besetting sin I want to do away with, and in the fruit of the Spirit I want to build, in drawing men unto you, Father, in denying myself and taking up my cross for your sake, help me in this journey. Help me. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.